Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello, my dear audience. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. As always, I hope you had a great week. And you can always find Let's Talk Micro on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, GoodPods, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Let's Talk Micro. As far as social media, I am on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube as Let's Talk Micro, on LinkedIn as Luis Plaza, and I have an email address, which is Let's talk micro at outlook.com. So either via social media or via email, you can send any feedback, any topic suggestions. They are always welcome and appreciated. So please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, download episodes, and if the app allows you to do so, please go ahead and leave a review. Thank you so much for the support. And if you haven't checked out the previous episode, please go ahead and do so. It was a great episode where Amelia Bathangar from the CDC She joined the podcast to talk about a study they did on a sensitizer AST panel, which was the GN7F, and she breaks down the study, talks about what worked well, what didn't, how did the, pan the panel perform, and she also talks about the CDC's AR Lab Network, or Antimicrobial Resistance Laboratory Network, which is something that maybe some of you at the doctor level, director level might be familiar with, but maybe those of us that work in the bench might not be familiar with it. So it was very nice, you know, explaining what the AR Latin network is and definitely talking about this study and the importance of doing this type of testing on commercial AST systems. All in all, a great episode. So once again, Amelia and the CDC, thank you so much for taking the time to participate in Let's Talk Micro. And of course, if you're looking to learn more about antibiotics, please check out the www.learnantibiotics.com and the Learn Antibiotics book available on Amazon. These resources include cheat sheets, practice tests, games, and more, and they are being used by thousands of people worldwide and may be helpful for you or your colleagues. And these are some great resources by Dr. Timothy Gauthier, who's a very passionate pharmacist. So definitely check out these resources. So today's episode is a request that I had, which was about uh, talking about the American Board of Medical Microbiology Examination or the ABMM. So in this episode, Dr. Kristen Smith, and she works at the industry, she joins the episode to talk about this examination. So she breaks it down. She talks about the requirements. What type of a uh, degree do you need to sit for this examination? She talks about the exam itself. She goes over the CPEP fellowship. She talks about how this certification prepares you for the workforce, you know, what you can do with the certification. Like for example, like being a, a laboratory director, She talks about training. All in all, she breaks it down like, like we like to do in Let's Talk Micro. And in the episode, you know, she also talks about what happens if you don't pass the examination. And she talks that, you know, she mentions that there, this exam has a 50 to 60% examination rate. She talks about the latest updates when it comes to this examination. All in all, this was a great episode. I definitely hope that you enjoy it and it answers your questions. So let's go ahead and listen to it. So sometimes, you know, if you're looking at the credentials as, as let's say your director and you might be wondering what's the ABMM, what does it stand for? You know, like for us, you know, we have ASCP, which is American Society for Clinical Pathology. So if you're wondering, and I had a request to do an episode about this topic. So with me today, I have a guest. And we are going to be talking about the American Board of Medical Microbiology Certification. So with me today, I have Dr. Kristen Smith. 
Kristen, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Thank you so much, Luis, for the invitation to chat with you today on Let's Talk Micro. As you mentioned, I'm Kristen Smith. And just a little bit of background, um, I'm a medical advisor in U.S. Medical Affairs at the AmeriU, and I have a wonderful job with wonderful colleagues, and it can best be summarized as education and collaboration. I get to connect with people both internally to my company, as well as external leaders in clinical microbiology to identify areas where diagnostics can lead to better patient care. But prior to this current role, I completed my PhD studies at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, and my CPET fellowship, more on that later, at the University of Rochester in Rochester, New York. I also worked for six years as a technical director at a reference lab prior to joining BioMaryU. And I do want to highlight that I, while I am a diplomat of the American Board of Medical Microbiology, I do not sit on a committee for ABMM or the CPET. Well, thank you for that. And I, you know, I like that what you said. I definitely had the the chance and the opportunity to, you know, spend time with uh, some of your team members and some people that you work with. And all the experiences have been wonderful, and, you know, we've, in the audience. And, and you know that I'm, I'm doing the AMR series with Andrea Prinzi. And some of the most of the all the guests so far have been you know from the same line of work, so in the industry, so great people, great chemistry, and it just I don't know, it's so positive. It's just like it's it's refreshing when you see a group of people they're like that. And sometimes you know in the lab with all the things we do, sometimes you know morale is a little bit low, and it's just but it's great. Everyone is so positive and so good and so great, uh, great feedback. And every time I reach out for an episode, everyone always agrees and. And so it's just, I'm very grateful for that. That's wonderful. You hit it spot on. They're great team members. Um, and I'm thankful every day I get to work with them. It's, it is the most positive environment. You know, the line of work that we do can be very complicated and challenging at times, but having the right people next to you getting through your day makes it that much easier. Completely agree. Um, so let's start with the with some basics here. So what is the American Board of Medical Microbiology? Yeah, so... If we're going to go history, I think I'm going to go a little bit farther back than you might have expected, but it's going to be, we'll get there. Uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Louis Pasteur and Robert Koch for recognizing first that bacteria lead to human disease. It's not bad air. It's these little germs, these little animalcules, right, that can cause infections in humans. And that, that information came right at the end of the 1800s. We had another highlight come in 1928 when Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. So now... We know that these germs are making people sick and we have a useful medication to treat some of these infections. And so as more information is coming out, as more you know, organisms are being identified as being pathogenic, um, there really started to be a need in the 1950s, you know, recognize a need that we need trained experts in the field of medical and public health microbiology. And so in 1959, the certification process was formalized into the ABMM, the American Board of Medical Microbiology, which began the certification process by which doctoral level scientists are recognized for their expertise in microbiology. And so this was strongly um, initiated by the American Society of Microbiology throughout the rest of the talk. I'm going to refer to it as ASM, and it still is continues to this day to be a function of ASM. And so how many of us are there just to get the history? I was curious myself. I couldn't find the exact number, but I am diplomat 1292. So based on the number of people that are passing every year and the year since I took my exam um, in 2017, 
I estimate there to be about 1,500 diplomats of the American Board of Medical Micro since 1959. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, an active certification. And so it's unclear of how many of us are still active in our um, certification. Well, thank you for that. I, I always like when when guests, you know, they take us, you know, back a little bit more. And that's something that it just it resonates with me. And I I apply that when I am, you know, teaching and, and, and sharing information. And sometimes, you know, some people might not like it because it just they say that it takes me a while to get to the point. But I like the whole, you know, building up and, and giving background. So it's just it's always great. So with this exam with this ex examination for like a medical microbiologist, so right, as I was doing some reading, I know that uh right, so it certifies you to be, you know, you can be like for being a lab director. So anything else about that? How does it uh help you professionally? Yeah, you hit it right on on the, the nose, right? So first and foremost, the certification allows for diplomats to serve as laboratory directors under CLIA 88. There are some states out there that require some licensure in order to be able to direct a lab. So serving as the diplomat of the American Board of Medical Microbiology allows the um, individuals to do that. But really, it's a way to have your expertise acknowledged in an official capacity. So having being a diplomat is the highest certification that's available for medical microbiologists. And it's really a way to highlight that high, highest level of expertise in the field. And so as, as recognizing, as all the training that we've done, um, it really allows us to interact and intersect with a lot of different teams. So we are able to communicate with healthcare providers, infection preventionists, hospital administration, pharmacy, educators, information services, when you know we need to get our test menu updated or for reporting purposes. Um, having that recognition really should let others know of our leadership capabilities in the form of um, clinical and public health microbiology. Okay, and I'll and I'll in a bit after we talk a little bit about the the exam. I'll I'll, I'll ask about the diplomat uh, status. Uh, but for now, so definitely one of the questions, and when people were asking for for this episode, was about you know the examination and the eligibility requirements. And and I'll, when I publish the episode, I will put a link on the show notes where you can see everything. But can you talk about the eligibility requirements? Absolutely. And that link will have a ton of additional resources. There's a lot of detail because we all have slightly different backgrounds. And so there are some considerations depending on your education and where you received your education from. But in a general sense of terms, who is eligible? It's PhD or Doctorate of Science in Microbiology. There are some other degrees if the board approves. So a lot, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the tests and you know, CFET fellowships and things. And so there are boards that review applications for the exam, for the programs. And so there can be approvals for individuals that are maybe doctors of medicine, osteopathy, veterinary medicine, public health, microbiologists, dental medicine, dental surgery, although I have to say those are probably limited in number, um, and also PhD in health sciences. There are some educational requirements that, again, may vary depending on where training was received. So if you were educated in the United States, there's a certification program, and then there needs to be equivalency determinations by the U.S. World Education Services if you received your education outside of the United States. And so, and so that's the eligibility requirements for the exam. There are some, in order to sit for the exam, there are some additional requirements that you have to have in addition to that background. So we're going to talk in more detail about CPEP fellowships, but in order to sit for the exam, you can complete a two-year CPEP fellowship. 
you can complete an accreditation council for graduate medical education. So if you're familiar with ACGME fellowships in medical microbiology, or if you have three years of practical experience as a postdoctoral fellow in a non-accredited program, but still training in a clear wave laboratory um, studying microbiology, and some things like an ID fellowship count for that as well, or serving as a laboratory director in a clinic or public health laboratory that will also allow you to sit for the exam. But to make sure that you are eligible, each application is reviewed uh, by the ABMM board to ensure that you are in fact eligible. And then from that date you have of, of receiving your approval from that committee, you um, can sit for your exam. Okay. And so as far as uh, deadlines, is like, is this a minister, you know, like once a year or how often or how, yeah, what's the deadline for applying for this? Yeah. So if you are a CPEP fellow, you have, it's usually it's annually is when these admissions occur. So you have until February 1st. And if you're one of the non-CPEP paths, you have until March 1st. All right. Thank you for that. And and now, you know, right, we have been mentioning the, the CPEP fellowship and that's what I'm going to. So understanding that a completion of it, you know, it makes you eligible for the exam. So let's, uh, what is the CPEP uh, fellowship? Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that for the audience. Absolutely. It is a two-year postgraduate training program in medical and public health microbiology. And so CPEP stands for subcommittee and the, the C in committee is going to be what our big C is on postgraduate educational programs or CPEP, um, CPEP. It's different from a traditional postgraduate or a postdoc training program because the focus is not necessarily on you performing research, even though research is a component, but really the focus is training fellows to be directors of medical and public health microbiology labs. We receive broad training in the areas of laboratory management, epidemiology, public health, and laboratory safety. And you'll see that those topics align very well with um, what is to be expected on the ABMM exam that we'll talk a little bit later on. But we also cover, or training also covers diagnostic bacteriology, mycology, parasitology, virology, um, antimicrobial testing, AST testing, and uh, molecular microbiology, as well as a plethora of other things. You're engaging with your micro lab, you're engaging with your pharmacy, you're engaging with public health labs that are by you, you're pro, uh, engaging very frequently with your ID team, going on rounds with them, attending their journal clubs, um, seeing patients on occasion, and so really engaged in all facets of microbiology at your academic institution. And so just like a laboratory, these fellowship programs are accredited. And so the CPEP, there is a CPEP committee that functions through the ASM, and there are specific guidelines on what the fellowship programs need to be doing, what the fellows need to be learning throughout that two-year period. So just to give you a really, um, a really ex good example is you have to have three to six months spent in bacteriology and AST. Now, each area of the lab that we discussed, you know, mycology, parasitology, they have different requirements, but with bacteriology, you know, understandably being your longest chunk of time. Um, there's also expectations for research and teaching, but it doesn't have those really strict time requirements that the, um, the bacteriology, for instance, does. And so similar to laboratory inspections, the CPEP committee will come in and perform site visits to ensure compliance to those strict guidelines on, again, what the fellows should be doing throughout that two-year period. There are currently 21 programs approved with others going through the consideration process. 
Each program varies in the number of fellows that it recruits or admits each year. So there are some programs that will admit one fellow every year, for instance, maybe some programs admit one fellow every other year or two fellows every other year. So it, it tends to vary and it can sometimes depend on funding as well. So there is a CPEP fellowship website that is a great resource if you are interested in applying or learning more about these CPEP fellowships. As you can imagine, there are not many positions available, so it is very competitive. So, yeah, I mean, and I like that, you know, that's strictly regulated and, and definitely that it involves a lot because, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of information. And, and as you know, at the, at the end, pretty much like that's the, the point where like the ultimate questions you know, are going to lead to your director and we're working at the bench level, maybe your supervisor, maybe someone more experienced. But at the end, of, a lot of those, you know, decisions, you know, they come to that person. So you need to be well trained and well prepared. So as far as the exam itself. Right. So a lot of information you're preparing for. So can you talk more about maybe like any resources um, you kind of touch already on, on, you know, when you're training in, the, in a CPA fellowship. So I'm guessing like a lot of this, you know, carries to the exam that you're taking. So things like that, like exam, um, what information is included in the exam. And the other thing, right, if for some reason the person does not pass. Right. So what's the waiting period for that? I think the CPEP fellowships recognize that, right? They have predetermined amount of time that you need to spend in the lab and that's for a reason. So it's a great, great um, learning opportunity with all that hands-on experience. But there are other valuable resources for the exam. And it's actually, I was, you know, going through past uh, shows and, you know, there was just one on the manual of clinical microbiology. And I, I think I, I missed the one in the clinical procedures handbook, but those two resources are excellent uh, in preparing for the exam. Another one, so those two are both um, available on ASM's ClinMicro now. Another one that's also available on there is Cases in Medical Microbiology and Infectious Disease. And it's, you know, a series of case studies that really help you learn about medical microbiology and infectious disease. It's a great resource. It, it gives you a case and then you know, there's questions and then there's learning objectives in there. It's really wonderful. Um, Clinical Laboratory Management by Lynn Garcia is also a really excellent resource for laboratory directors, not just microbiologists, but in general. And then some other resources that are available online that I really love are the Creepy, Dreadful, Wonderful website by Bobby Pritt. Uh, she does case studies on uh, in parasitology that are just wonderful ways to learn about parasites. Um, speaking more about parasites, there's the CDC's resource, the DPDX. It has case studies as well as a parasite index. It's also really important to know what's happening right now. So the NMWR is a great resource to you know, get weekly snapshots of what's been going on relatively recently in public health microbiology. Resources that you laboratorians use every day, your CLSI and CAP checklists help you understand the field a little bit better and are useful resources as well. Yes, and and I completely agree. And, and I had that... Uh... The CDC resource for the parasites is something that I use when preparing my notes and my lectures for the students when I'm teaching the parasite lab. A lot of great pictures, so definitely very helpful. And and the blog, I know that a lot of my coworkers also from um, from Dr. Bobby Prick, which had the opportunity to have her on as a guest a couple of times. Definitely some great resources. Oh, she's wonderful. I recommend if anybody gets the chance to see her present. I know she, you know, sometimes does individual sessions at ASM. She's a, she's a wonderful speaker. Her blog is excellent, but she's a wonderful speaker. And I'm so excited. She got to be on your podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
And for the audience, if you want to find out more about the, you know, the, the clinical microbiology procedures handbook and the manual of clinical microbiology, there are two episodes on the podcast that I invite you to check out where the editors in chief, they came to the podcast and they broke it down and they, and they talk more about it. Um, so, and then if, if the person fails, is there, a, is there a waiting period? There is a waiting period. So first I'm going to, let me just jump a little bit back into what's included in the exam, just so everyone can get a little bit of a snapshot, but it is a 200 question exam and it's multiple choice with only one right answer. You're not really limited to time. There is a time limit at six hours, but you know, if they want to make sure you have enough time, have uh, provide thoughtful answers criteria and references, 100 out of 200 you pass. It's really based on the quality of the responses that you choose. And again, it talks about the foundational material that are you know, presented in the CPEP fellowship. So laboratory testing, including the most up-to-date practices, your test protocols. Let's talk about laboratory administration, let's test menus, quality control, critical results, um, laboratory safety and security. So biosafety risks and emergency responses. And then clinical and public health microbiology is a big component as well. Um, and so the failure part, you know, we don't like to talk about failure, right? We, I like to try to maintain that positive attitude. But um, in general, the pass rate is about 50 to 60% for this exam. I do want to shout out to those in 2023. They had um, a great year, great successful year. So uh, there was a 71% pass rate. So kudos to that group. Um, but if you do fail, you have three exam attempts from your approval date to pass the exam. So if you don't pass it that first time, you take it, you can take it up to two more times within the next two years. But if you do fail three times, there is a waiting period of two years before you can reapply. And after that two-year break, you can reapply by submitting a new application that needs to also get approved again. And you get to exam, um, take the exam one last time. And if you do not pass that last time, you are no longer eligible to apply to the ABMM exam. Okay, so definitely, yeah, if, this is something that if you are planning on taking and really take the time to study a lot and really you know, go over the the resources and definitely um, be well prepared for that. Okay. Um, and before I ask about the next question, just out of curiosity, because we you know with us in the lab, like with our ASCP, uh, you know, we have to like uh, maintain the credentials and take some classes and stuff like that. Um, otherwise, it elapses, and then you have to reapply and things like that. For this test, once you get it, that's it. You don't have to do any maintenance or? That is a great question, Lee. Um, that, is, that is not true. So I think we're more similar to, to you. So it's not one and done like a PhD is. Recertification is required every three years. And within that three-year period, you do need to achieve 150 credit hours. Those can come from a variety of different sources. That can be attending accredited webinars. That can be, you know, going to professional meetings and seeing talks uh, at the meetings. It could be participating in publications, uh, getting a journal article uh, approved in a peer-reviewed journal, or preparing a poster for a conference, being a reviewer for a journal, creating content for a presentation that maybe you're going to give to your lab, um, maybe attaining your a new degree, such as, you know, maybe a master's in public health. Um, serving as an inspector for CAP, teaching a course, but basically maintaining your expertise in the field of microbiology. Like, as I mentioned, you can do it in a variety of different ways, but we do re are, re we are required to recertify every three years with that 150 credit hour minimum. Okay. Yeah. It, it makes sense. And, and yeah, ASCP is also like three years and, and, but not as many credits. Ours is 36 and sometimes, you know, it seems a lot. 
but at least you know there's there's many ways that you can and and I see a lot of 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 uh, like directors and they're very involved in things and like like you mentioned you know they're publishing or they're presenting and things like that so there's many choices so that's good um so you've been mentioning right the diplomat um status so can you talk more about that please yeah so the diplomat status is a successful completion of that ABMM exam so you go through you take your test in June and you have to the longest couple of months right we, we find out September 1st um, if we've passed or failed and if you pass your ABMM exam you get to add that diplomat status so it's your D before the parentheses of ABMM so Kristen as we were as I was you know reaching out to you about the episode and we were talking a little bit via email and stuff um, you mentioned uh, that there were some recent updates to this. Um, can you talk about those? Absolutely. We work in a field that's very unique, right? It's constantly evolving because our subject matter evolves, right? And then new technologies are created or expanded. And in order to keep the exam relevant to the current state of the field, you know, topics can be added, maybe topics are removed. But on a recent town hall meeting for clinical and public health microbiology, it was shared that in 2024, there's going to be some changes, some things added, and one of which is going to be next generation sequencing. So labs are starting to use this technology, you know, maybe for epidemiology purposes, maybe for ASP testing. But as this is becoming more and more affordable, there are more labs that are incorporating next generation sequencing into their clinical microbiology labs, and the exam is going to reflect that. And, you know, what are, as an example of something that's maybe going to be removed, there's going to be a review of questions related to operational administration, budgeting, and human resources. Again, we want to make sure we're as relevant to the field um, and specific to micro. And so some of those admin questions may be going away. Changes, I have a, a funny story, um, because changes are not uncommon in regards to the exam. I, I remember my CPEP director and mentor, Marilyn Menegas, she would tell us all the time, um, my uh, other fellow and I, just how easy we had it because we just had to take a multiple choice exam um, because back in her day, the exam was mostly verbal. And as I recall her story, you would um, be in a room with uh, your committee standing in front of you, asking you questions um, all day, basically, you know, maybe inquisition might be too strong of a word, but definitely having an in-person verbal exam. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely something. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's one thing, right? You're looking at your choices and maybe trying to look in there and maybe something points you in the right way if you're not if you're unsure, but to verbally even test it. Wow. Yeah, you know, sometimes so I, I should say the exam will let you you can go through your questions as much as you like. You can cycle through them before you finish. So sometimes I don't know if it's ever happened to you, it's happened to me where it's like, oh, I just remembered, you know, X, Y, or Z. It just popped into my brain. But I, I feel like the opposite would happen if you're just standing in front of the committee, right? All of my words, I feel like, would just disappear. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I agree. Yeah, it's, it's one thing that, you know, you might be by me preparing and then, you know, some people, they don't do well with, you know, standing in front of a room or they have difficulty with that. And, and it might seem that they're not prepared or things might not come out. So that's definitely uh, something. Wow. Um yeah, I like that you mentioned that definitely, you know, uh, next generation sequencing, and we actually brought it to our to our hospital, and we're doing uh, doing it for mycobacterium and uh, and bacteria as well. So definitely, it's 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 kind of cool, you know, seeing now we're seeing different organisms and new names and being able to identify more things. So 
as I keep saying over and over in the podcast, you know, these are, and you said it, you know, the micro field, you know, it keeps changing. And I don't know, there are some very exciting times to be in this field as we're seeing more and more things show up and, and, and we learn more. So it's definitely great. Um, is there anything else that you want to add? I think the last thing that I want to talk today is just all of the different career options that are out there for the CPEP or the ABMM diplomats. And so, of course, you know, you talked a little bit about your director and your lab. So, yes, we serve as directors of clinical micro labs. Depending on the size of the institution, it's not uncommon for there to be multiple clinical microbiology directors. There are cases now where there's multi-hospital systems or very complex patient populations that justify that. There's directors of reference laboratories, some that are both small and regional, and then there are others that are very large and worldwide. Could serve in public health laboratories at the state and federal level, including the CDC and the FDA. Industry. So, of course, I'm representing industry in the diagnostics field today, but pharmaceutical science, uh, pharmaceutical industry, you know, of course, has antimicrobials, and so there is a space for diplomats there as well as in their research and development areas, their medical affairs, clinical affairs, just multiple roles and multiple opportunities. And then there are also opportunities in professional societies such as ABMM. So you will see diplomats um, in all of these fields and probably even in some that I forgot. Okay, yeah, and, I, I, and I've seen, um, not in my hospital, but I've seen, yeah, other places where you have more than, than one director. And um, Well, you know, uh, Kristen, you know, thank you so much for, for this, I I'm happy that you know, that I had this request, and you know like we we have talked you know briefly before we have met and you know email and stuff like that. But it's just it's very nice to have you here in the in the in the podcast and doing this episode. And I hope the audience really enjoys it. So thank you so much for taking the time to being in Let's Talk Micro. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I love talking about microbiology, and I hope others do as well. Thank you. My pleasure. And that, my dear audience, it's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy learning about the ABMM examination, American Board of Medical Microbiology. As always, I enjoy sharing this information with you. Definitely stay tuned. Great things coming your way, working on some great episodes. Please continue downloading episodes. I am so grateful for your support. As always, continue bringing that passion to what you do. It's so important. You do such great work. So, as always, stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time. Bye.